And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. Elliot, I had to do some research during our break here. Yeah, Greshner was married to Carol Alt, okay. and he's about a year younger than uh, Don Weaver, but he played for the Rangers where Don played for the Devils. So. Okay. So, you know, two, two, dif- two different worlds entirely. Two different worlds. I wasn't a big hockey fan growing up because no one could be in Chicago because there was no hockey. But let's get to a guy who was a six-time All-Star. Remember the Indians, Giants, Yankees, Pirates? He had the second most strikeouts in Indians history at the time of his return behind Bob Feller. He led the league in strikeouts numerous times. Sam McDowell, how you doing, Sam? I'm doing good, guys. And you? Wonderful. Now that we're talking with you. Are you still sudden? Uh, I'm seldom sudden now. (laughs) (laughs) You were a rarity, a lefty that threw hard. And Whenever you see a lefty pitcher, they're usually soft tossers, but you could fire it in there. Well, what about Sandy Koufax? He could throw a pretty uh, pretty mean fastball on occasion. (laughs) Yeah, each time he threw. Yeah. I mean, in the 60s, it was you and Koufax, the two hard-throwing lefties. Yeah. Difference was he knew where it was going. I didn't. Oh, you're kind of like wild thing from the movie Major League. Uh, in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about doing a reunion movie, but I think these guys are all living at your City of Legends camp now. Tom Berenger and Corbin Burnson. Well, they aren't living down here, but uh, a lot of the other retirees are. You haven't seen Charlie Sheen around there. Uh, no, and not really interested. Good. <laughs> I want to maintain my sanity. Oh, okay. Those Indians teams that you were a part of, I mean, you had some great players on there, but it was too bad you had to go and get those Yankee teams because you probably would have won a couple World Series with the Indians in the 60s. Well, I would have loved to have done that, but, uh, uh, yeah, we kind of had a difficult problem because uh, the general manager... And the team had no money, nothing, and he wasn't going to spend anything. So we kind of knew leaving spring training, we were going to end up in last place, and we just tried to do the best we possibly could. Uh, but I did see that uh, that book that's out by that Dr. Tom uh, Tomsick called uh, Strike Three, in which uh, he was doing a research project and uh, researching uh, starting four pitchers of teams going clean back to the 1800s. And uh, the ones we had for the five years from 65 to 70, he classified as the number one starting staff in baseball. That's Is that hard to believe? Some people would be taken a, a bit aback by that. Not that you guys weren't good. Well, let's put it this way. There's nobody else that ever had four starters in which the earned run average was below two. Who was part of that staff? Because I was born in 71. I don't remember those teams. Uh, it was uh, Tion, Sonny Siebert, uh, Steve Hargan, and myself. Okay. I remember a long, long time ago before Sonny Siebert was a pro, he was playing uh, amateur baseball in St. Louis. And I remember hitting a, ba- a baseball farther than I'd ever seen anybody hit a baseball. Did- oh, he was a great hitter. In fact... Uh, he was not a pitcher until his third year in pro ball. Uh, he was still an outfielder trying to make it in professional baseball as an outfielder. Was a, was a fair hitter. But at that time, they had a lot of great hitters in the outfield. And he wanted to stay in pro ball. And he had an arm that was unbelievable. 
And so they decided they were going to try him as a pitcher. And as history would have it, turned out to be one of the best. Now, did coming up into the big leagues at age 19, was that good or bad? Uh, well, I don't think it was either. I, I don't think uh, coming up at any age uh, has a real effect on a player uh, back in those days because in most cases uh, you went through the seasoning and what have you. Now, obviously, in my case, I didn't have time. I only spent a year and a half uh, in the minor leagues, and back there you had to, quote, get your seasoning and then average 10 years in the minor leagues, or like Jack Sanford's case, 12 years in the minor leagues. Uh, but it, it hurt me a little bit in terms of not knowing how to pitch, not knowing the science of pitching, but I had an advantage throwing 103 miles an hour so I could get away with a lot of my mistakes, and I had plenty of them. You got a six-figure signing bonus when you joined the Indians. I mean, that was unheard of in those days. Uh, well, I wish I would have gotten a six-figure bonus. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I've heard everything from $110,000 down to 50000 It actually was $70,000, uh, my signing bonus, uh, but it had my salary included for the next three years <laughs> in it. I mean, could you imagine what you would get nowadays? Look at uh, Steven Strasburg. What do you get? Thirty million signing bonus or contract with the Nationals before he threw a pitch in the major leagues? Something like that. Yeah, it would have been awesome. Being as tall as you were, did did that help or hinder? Is... I think it did. I uh, uh, I know that I was at least three to four feet further or closer to the batter than. Uh, most pitchers are simply because of my height and the way I stretched when I pitched. Uh, but I think uh, back in those days, it was the beginning of the tall guy that was actually mobile, uh, that was actually uh, uh, nimble. Uh, as you may recall, way, way back when, most of your tall guys were all klutzes and having difficulty tripping over their own feet. But uh, the transformation took place, I guess, around the 60s, where you started to see the big guys starting to be uh, quite mobile and quite uh, uh, agile. And the fact you have your uh, big players today uh, in, the, in the NBA, take a look at them, and they are quite agile. So the big transformation, I don't know why, but it seemed to be the 60s where your tall man started to come about, where he was agile and mobile and sometimes hostile. Not like, <laughs> not like Frank Howard. Uh, well, Frank wasn't that big of a, uh, a clumsy guy, but yes, he was a little bit clumsy, especially when he ran. But when he took that 40-ounce bat and handled it like a toothpick, yeah, uh, that made up the difference. Yeah. About the only taller pitcher I can remember before you was Gene Conley, who pitched for the Braves and uh, a couple other teams, who also yeah, played uh, pro, pro basketball. That's interesting because you mentioned uh, him, and you might have forgotten about Sonny Siebert also playing uh, pro basketball. I did. Yeah. And then you had Ron Reed a little later. Yep. And Steve Hamilton. Okay. Uh, you know what? We forgot the guest from a couple weeks ago. What about Dick Grohl? Probably the, one of the best basketball players who played baseball. Oh, heavens. All-American. He was unbelievable. He should have played basketball. Was, I didn't mind going and watching him play basketball, but... Uh, coming from Pittsburgh, even though I played for Cleveland, I still lived in Pittsburgh. And in the wintertime, 
we had a basketball team that we put together in which we raised money for charities plus we got to get paid 50 bucks a game and the only reason the only uh thing i hate about that was the uh the story was you give the ball to dick groton get back on defense <laughs> he was going to shoot i always envisioned him as the guy who would be the playmaker uh no no okay I've seen numerous places that your life was the basis of the TV series Cheers. Is that true? Yep. Did you get any money for that? Only I had a better relationship with women than Sam Malone. <laughs> what, do you mean, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I think we can figure it out without asking for details. So were you involved at all in any of the process? when uh, no, Cheer- not, Cheer- not at all. In fact, uh, Actually, the two women that uh, created it were the original writers. They they were from Cleveland, and I guess that's where they got their inspiration. Watching, you know, the Sad Sack Indians at that time. Did you ever meet Sam Malone? I mean, Ted Danson or any of the cast members? Oh, I knew most of them. I'd met I'd, I'd met them uh, quite a few times. And now I see that you're heading a retirement community for former players down in Florida. Well, it's a, it's a combination of a bunch of things, but yes, included in it uh, was an area here in Claremont, Florida, in which uh, I was able to get a lot of the developers to come up with special benefits for any player that wanted to move down here and retire, and it was quite extensive in the savings, so of course we got uh, quite a few players down here, uh, but it was also to try and find benefits of different kinds to help. Uh, some of the older players uh, retired, uh, understanding that a lot of them didn't have any insurance. And uh, you know, we played back when there was no money, and so the individuals, uh, a couple of them, had lost their homes and so on. And so we put together a special program, myself and my partner, which is Dr. Mike Gray, the orthopedic surgeon. Uh, and in fact, my offices right now are in his clinic, and uh, we put together such a program that. It was a tremendous help to like 50, 55 different players that are living in the area. Now, when I say area, I say uh, all of Central Florida, uh, not just Claremont. Uh, but Dr. Ray has been able to help, uh, been a tremendous help. And of course, I am the counselor and consultant for BAT, the baseball assistance team charity, which uh, steps up and helps former players that have got a serious problem or umpires or minor leaguers or their wife or their children or what have you. I've been that counselor and consultant for 26 years for them. And uh, now we have a situation where uh, we can help tremendously with uh, uh, any physical problem that former players have, especially ones that uh, don't have any insurance or ones that have a limited insurance policy or what have you. Uh, Dr. Ray has been able to put together a special program down here for uh, them to help them. And uh, he'd been doing it long before I came down here. I've only been here 12 years. Uh, and as I say, he'd done it a lot of times before that. Uh, and we just continued it over, so it's turned out to be a, a terrific center now for retired athletes of all all sports. So do you ever get together and have an old-timers game or two? Uh, no, because most of us couldn't walk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we're well, that's where the orthopedist there. comes in, right? Right. Has baseball asked you to talk to any of the players nowadays who have, like, drinking problems like a Miguel Cabrera? Uh, 
Well, obviously, whatever I do is confidential, and I'm sure you understand that and respect that. But yes, I, I have talked with quite a few players. I, uh, if you you may or may not know, for 18 years, I was the EAP and the uh, counselor for the Texas Rangers and the Toronto Blue Jays baseball teams. And in fact, I got myself the double uh, uh, World Series rings uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, which made me feel good because they thought that. Uh, my sports psychology part of my counseling uh, helped them uh, to overcome a lot of obstacles they couldn't in previous years in winning the World Series, so I was very happy with that. But uh, uh, being a therapist and a counselor, uh, even now today, uh, although each team has their own program, every now and then we'll find a player or two that uh, uh, wants some special help, and I step in to help them with no problem. As a pitcher, who was the batter you liked to face the least? Uh, the first nine hitters gave me trouble. <laughs> <laughs> the worst was Frank Howard, I would have to say. Uh, every pitcher has one or two guys who just as a nemesis, and nobody can have any rhyme or reason for it. But to me, Frank Howard only. Uh, the minute uh, uh, he stepped to the plate, he knew he was going to hit something. Uh, now, on the other hand, uh, Al Kaline, of course, he's the Hall of Famer, Al Kaline. Now, Kaline, just because he was a great player, period. I mean, nobody owned him. Did you ever think that if I had a few more years in, that I could be in the Hall of Fame? Because we just had Al Rosen on earlier, and he said, you know what, I wish I could have got a couple more years of stats, and I think I would have been strong considered for the Hall. Oh, I don't know. I uh, It may sound crazy, but I really don't look back like that. I uh, I'm very happy where I am with what happened and everything. I uh, uh, I, I don't go ahead and uh, resent anything that didn't happen. Thank you very much for your time today. Good luck with all your work and continued right. success. Appreciate it, guys. Good right. day. Thank you. You too. That was baseball great Sam McDowell. Interesting. I want to thank all our guests today, Al Rosen, Sam McDowell, and the beautiful Caitlin. I don't want to mispronounce that last name because you know she gets mad. Lever. And she Don't can also, call her lover. She can also play softball. I also want to thank our beautiful producer, sound man, Dave Olson. <laughs> He's laughing at me. He told me. He Do told you have me an eye doctor appointment coming up? I got to get my eyes checked. I got to get my eyes checked and learn about this women's softball and learn their names. So I'm prepared next time. Sounds good. Thank you again for listening to Sports and Torts. Tune in again next week.